thank you, Danny, for giving me a topic that's covered 697 times in the Bible. It's, uh, so, but he told me we have about four hours to cover it, so I think we should be in good shape. So, not really. Um, but it's good to be out here. Um, many of you probably don't know who I am. I am a, uh, that stepchild of NBC that lives in Minnesota. I, I do represent you as I travel, and, uh, and I'm actually on, on a little stop here. I'm, I head home in about a week and a half. I'm heading next to South Dakota, then to New York, and then to Colorado. So in representing you and NBC at different places on my trip. So it's great to come out to Bozeman and be with you all. Um, love, big topic. When Danny and I looked at the dates, I didn't even remember that it was Valentine's Day, I'll confess. I said, sure, you know, I'll be out there on that day. I'd love to do chapel. What would you like to talk about? He said, well, since it's Valentine's Day, let's do love. And so that was good, but I will confess I didn't even remember it was Valentine's Day. So, um, But my Valentine is back home. I'm going to show you actually pictures of my Valentines, if we can bring them up here. Uh, there's my Valentines. And, you know, yes, guys included. And so that's my family. The big tall guy up there is Ben. Ben went to school here a few years back. He's holding my grandson, Lincoln. The one in the middle is my beautiful wife that I don't deserve. We've been married almost 28 years. The one below my son there is my oldest daughter, Brianna, who's holding my granddaughter, Chloe. Um, there's me up atop, and I am uh, holding my daughter, uh, Mariana. The one down in the middle there is uh, Carly. And then my daughter Alyssa is holding our son Sawyer. And then down front is our son Lawrence. And so the next picture actually will take the young ones. Those are the ones. Uh, if you shoot up the next one, which is a, there, there. So that's my, those are the little ones in our family. I actually, our family is, um, we have seven kids and two grandkids. And those of you that know me, you, you must say, well, each time you come out here, you add to your family. All right? And that is the case. Um, we have three grown children that are 25, 23, and 21 years old. Uh, grandchildren who are three and two. And then we have, as you can see there, our two grandchildren on the left. And then our daughter Carly is five. Lawrence is three. Amariana is one. And Sawyer is seven months. And uh, so we started another family. And, and often I get, wow, did you have like 16 years of indecision before you decided let's have another family? <laughs> no, that's not the case. Through the world of foster care and adoption, um, God has blessed our life. And so I'm going to give some little examples of love in our family that have been very real. And those little children up there on the screen, they reflect love to us each and every day. An unconditional love that is very, very powerful and makes a difference in our lives. So before we start, let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for the gift of this day. Each day is a gift from you, and we thank you for it. Lord, I thank you for each person that's in this room right now. This time together is not an accident. Lord, I pray that in the next few moments that you speak to our hearts about a big topic, a topic that is incredibly close to your heart. Lord, I just pray that your words are spoken, and may our hearts be receptive in your name. Amen. So that is my family. Before I start, I do want to uh, highlight two things about myself. I grew up in southeastern Wisconsin. That's the homeland for me. So if anyone wants to know loyalties, I'm a Packers fan and all Wisconsin type guy. That's even, I, I want to get that out there because because I'm in Minnesota, people get the confusion that I support the teams in Minnesota, which I really don't. Um, 
I will say this too about myself, is that I'm going to need, it's going to be interactive, I need some of you, so hopefully at a Bible college you have some Bibles, because I need some of you to read for me today, okay? If you don't bring your Bible, shame on you, and if you can, and if your form of your Bible is digital on your phone, okay, that's fine, but I'm always a believer that let's get these things in our hands, I think it's very important, that's just me, I'm old-fashioned. I do want to say that when we open God's, this thing called the Bible, I do believe it's inspired and inerrant word of God. And you need to know that about me because we live in a world right now that is taking and shoving this out of our society. It's basically trying to tell us that this is no longer the truth. The no longer the truth. And I vehemently disagree, and I need you to know that about me, is that I believe that this is truth. And it's God's truth. And it's real and applicable to us today. And, and if you choose to say, well, you know what, that does not apply to us today, then what we take is God's holy word and we make it nothing more than a book that has a whole lot of killing in it, quite honestly. And our maker and creator of this universe desires much more and deserves much more than that. I also want to confess to you that when I speak, I am an imperfect person. I do confess to you that I'm a recovering sinner. I struggle with sin in my sinful nature each and every day. So if some of you cannot relate to that, I do ask that you leave right now. Um, but I will tell you that if you choose to leave right now, I will be incredibly judgmental of you because I will say that you are lying to me, all right? Because I think we all can relate. We're all sinners, but saved by the grace of God. Huge topic, the topic of love. I want to ask you a question. When you interact with the world... What is the world's perception of love? I want to hear from you. What are some ways that the world exhibits love today? Don't all start at once. I'll, I'll yeah. Physical Think physical intimacy. What else? What are other ways? Yes. An emotion. Yep. What else? How about... They exhibit it in, in the love of money. How about in the love of self? How about manipulating love to make advances sexually? Do people do that? You know what? We're living in a society today that has a very skewed view of love. I, I think our society, what's part of the problem in our society today is we've become a very narcissistic society. We've been sold a bag of goods that it's all about us. And so what we do is we take a perfect thing that God speaks on and we have twisted it to fit our benefits. And so I want to challenge us today as we look at some scriptures to take a different look than the world looks at in, in, with regards to love. And so I need some volunteers to read. So do I have anybody that would just put your hand up and I'll tell you the scripture. Uh, John 14, 21. Okay, um, let's go Romans 5, 8. Um, we'll go Romans 9, or 12, 9, and 10. Do we have anyone over here? Anyone? All right, um, John 15, 12, and 13. Anybody else? All right, Matthew 22, 37 to 40. And one other, anyone else? Back there, uh, 1 John 3, 18. So we're going to take a look at these passages, and I'll call on you when I need you to, to read. But have you ever told someone that you love them? Have you ever told someone? I sure hope that you have, and I've had, I hope that people have told you that they love you. I, I sure hope that, that, that it's happened. What do you mean when you tell them that? What do you mean? I, kinda, I went and looked up in uh, Webster's Dictionary to find out what they 
viewed as love and how they defined it. And they were very, very clear. And not really. They actually had 22 different definitions for love. And so I'm like, well, that really helps me out an awful lot. But some of the, the top two that caught my attention, see that these kind of fit with what you're thinking about love. A profoundly tender, passionate affection for another person. Well, if I put that through the litmus test of my wife, that definitely fits. Definitely fits. I have a profound affection for her. Um, how about this? A feeling of warm, and there was a feeling of warm personal attachment or deep affection as for a parent, child, or a friend. Yeah, that sounds good. If you want to find out what the other 20 are, I, I encourage you to go find a Webster's Dictionary, open it up, and it'll be very eye-opening for you. But as followers of Jesus Christ, we should always be running things through the litmus test of how should we view love as followers of Jesus Christ, okay? Which brings me to 1 John 4.8. And 1 John 4.8 is a very, um, it, it hits me right in the eyes, actually, when I read it. And it's very pointed to all of us, and it's quite simple. And I'm a simple kind of guy, and it says this. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. So let me reread that. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. That's pretty, that's pretty tough talk, isn't it? If you don't know love, you don't know God. I made a little sign here that actually outlines that. No love, no God. But if you K-N-O-W love, no love, you really know the heartbeat of God, don't you? Because he is love. And so I encourage us to consider which side of the aisle that we fall upon. Are we seeking to know K-N-O-W, our God? Or are we saying, you know what? I'm not going to know him because I'm not going to exhibit the love that he gives to each one of us. It's a personal choice that each of us have to make. 1 Corinthians 13, if you've ever been to a, a, a wedding, it's the, the great uh, love chapter. And it's got all the things that love is. And I'm not going to, to read it just simply because I'm going to resist the temptation to do that. So we're going to highlight some other verses that will reflect various aspects of love, all very important. But who has the John 14, 21? Yeah, if you can read that. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself. Can you read that again, please? I'm sorry. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and will show myself to them. Whoever has my commands... I, if we, where would we find those commands? So where do we find God's commands for us? It's called the greatest playbook ever written. It's right here in the Bible, right? It is. What you read there is love is obedient. There's an obedience to our love, to our Heavenly Father. It brings me to the stories of my little children that are part of our home. Because you know what? When I got into the world of foster care, I told my wife... I said to her, it took me a while to get to that point, but I said, you know what, don't get any funny ideas that we're going to adopt, because we're not. Adoption's not an option. Okay? Um, you laugh now, okay? It's, yeah, it's, um, it shows how stupid I am. But, but nonetheless, I told her, don't get any ideas. Well, one by one, God has brought these little ones in my life, from my daughter Carly, who came to us at three months old, who's now five years old. 
to our son Lawrence, who is number two, who's been with us after 30 days detoxing from heroin in, in the hospital, who's now three years old, who when he came to us, I said, we'll raise him, but I'm not necessarily going to, into keeping him. And now we are working with tribal courts to, for him to eventually be ours. And I tell you, I can't imagine life without him. Our daughter Mariana, who came to us September, who's actually his um, blood sister, we didn't expect to have her. She came to us, and we said, okay, that's fine. We'll kind of raise her for the time being until she can go somewhere else. And now I'm all in with her, and we're going through tribal court for her to become my daughter. And it's, it's a wonderful thing. And then our son Sawyer, who came to us at the end of June, is five days old. His mom delivered him in the ambulance on the way to the hospital. She didn't even know she was pregnant. And she delivered him. He had no prenatal care. He had the trifecta of opioids, meth, and drugs, and, and, and alcohol in his system. He's come to us, and I said, no, we'll just raise him and send him out elsewhere. And you know what? Now we've, we're in the process of adopting him, and I can't imagine life without him. I don't say that to glorify us. It's not to glorify us. As a, you know what? I'm a nobody. But I say it because, you know what? God called us into obedience. When he brought those children to our lives, he said, you have a choice. You can either be obedient or you can choose not to. There's a guy in the Old Testament called Jonah who had the choice too. All right? And I like to learn from his example of stupidity how I need to be obedient. <laughs> he is stupid. If you think about it, he was obedient. And then what did he do when he got done? He sat under a branch and he complained. I mean, that's stupidity, okay? You think eventually after being an official long time, you'd wake up to the reality that maybe you need to listen to God. But nonetheless, for me personally, I will say this, is that the greatest form of love that we have experienced through these children is obedience to our Heavenly Father who has brought them into our life. So you know what? I can be uncertain about tribal court. I don't know what might happen, but you know what? I do know that I serve a God who's got the details taken care of. And he has said to me, and he's pressed upon my heart, that he is God. So I say each morning, I say, God, I'm going to let you be God. I so badly want to be God, but I'm going to let you be God. And that's the greatest form of love we can have right now is the obedience of bringing those children into our life. Who has Romans 5.8? Who who's got that? Romans 5.8. But God demonstrates his own love towards us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Think about that. Love is unconditional. While we were still sinners. You know, Jesus wasn't up there, and he, or he didn't say, you know what? If you figure things out, when you get to this point or that point, then I will die for you. No. While we are still sinners, he died for us. The very people that were poking his side, he died for. He had an unconditional love. It wasn't based on what we could do or what we couldn't do. It was unconditional. How many of us in the relationships we have with each other have an unconditional kind of love? Or how many of us do say, you know what, I'm going to extend love to you if you do this, this, or this? How many of us do? The world has skewed it that it's all based on conditions. Our Heavenly Father is the greatest example of an unconditional love. He hung on that cross for us when we didn't deserve it. When we didn't deserve it. Romans 9, or 12, 9 through 10. Luke, is that you back there? Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Can you read the first part of that again? Yep. Yeah. That love be genuine. Abhor what is evil, 
good, right there. So love in, this, in those verses signifies some form of a relationship, doesn't it? With our Heavenly Father, we should turn from evil. With the people that we have in our lives, there's a form of a relationship that is established when you say that you love somebody, isn't there? There is. If you're using it in the truest form and not manipulating it to get your way, there is. So when I tell my wife that I love her, there's a, there's a, a relationship that's conveyed in that, in that conversation that we have. And in that, what I'm supposed to do is look out for her best interest. And so I'm supposed to flee evil. And I'm supposed to flee the distractions and lift her up and that relationship up to of great importance in our lives. So love signifies some form of a relationship. How about John 15, 12 through 13? Who's got that? John 12, 15, 12 through 13. Who's got that one? It's a selfless love right there. Selfless. Not thinking of myself, but thinking the betterment of others, isn't it? That's what it says, laying down one's life for somebody. It's a selfless kind of love. How many of you have selfless kind of love, or do you have selfish kind of love? There's a difference, isn't there? It's a big difference, a big chasm. I'm going to read you a story on a selfless kind of love. On October 2nd, 1954, First Lieutenant James O. Conway was taking off from Boston Logan Airport, flying a plane that carried a load of munitions. When his plane became airborne, he suddenly lost power over Boston Bay. In an instant, Conway faced a brutal choice, eject from the plane and save his own life or crash the, life, the plane into the bay, causing his own death. If he ejected, however, the plane would crash into an East Boston neighborhood filled with homes and families. Amazingly, Conway chose to crash the plane into the bay, giving his life for the lives of others, people he didn't even know. In John 15:13, Jesus said, Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. The willingness to make the ultimate sacrifice to protect others shows a heart that cares more about the needs of others than the needs of oneself. Someone once said, the measure of love is what one is willing to give up for it. God the Father loves so much that he gave up his son. Christ loves so much that he gave up his life, even taking our sins on himself and dying in our place. Thinking of others over ourselves. I think our world could be a whole different world if people started thinking about the betterments of others. Don't you think? And even if we don't know that for sure, I think we should try. Because guess what? As followers of Christ, we're called to do that. How about Matthew 22, 37 to 40? We're almost done, I promise. I'm watching that clock, Danny. I have a five-minute video that's coming, so I've got to, we've got to move quickly. Matthew 22, 37 to 40. Who's got that one? Love is a commitment. You know what? How many times in the start of that did it say all? Read the beginning of that again. <clears throat> Sorry, you scrolled out of it. You'd... All. Okay, that means you're all in. It's a commitment. When I tell my wife that I love her, I am telling her, you know what, honey? I am all in. I'm all in. It's an all in commitment. It's not saying, you know what? You only have part of me. No, I'm saying I am all in. So love is a commitment. Love is an all-in commitment. Not only to one another, but it should be, if we love our Heavenly Father, shouldn't it be an all-in commitment to Him? 
Shouldn't it be? Shouldn't be willing, we be willing no matter what it takes to be selfless and sacrifice for him? Shouldn't it be? Shouldn't we be willing to go out and tell the world about Jesus because he died for us? Shouldn't it be? Isn't that the way we should be expressing our love? Absolutely it should be. Absolutely. 1 John 3.18 is the last one. Who's got that? Love is, this is a verb view of love. Love is action. You know, I love when my kids tell me that they love me. I really, really love, though, when they show me that they love me. Because, you know what, talk is cheap to me. It's easy to say the words, but you know what, when you show me, when they show me that they love their mom, that's the greatest joy in my life that I can have. That builds me up. Love is action. Let's watch this video. And this is love in action. And we'll close with this. A very, very powerful video. When you walk around the grounds of Gainesville State School, you'll see just about everything you would on any other high school campus. There are students, teachers, a computer lab, and a gym. Except here, the students are convicted criminals. It's an incarceration facility for kids that have uh, violated the law. Each day starts at a tiny dorm room they call home and continues marching from class to class, abiding by a strict schedule. In fact, the one thing that makes them feel like kids again is football. I'm just like you know, remote model on campus, you know what I'm saying? Everybody want to play on the football team. Just to put on a Tornado's uniform is a reward, not a right. You must have good behavior and good grades. Not to mention, every game is played on the road, but it's worth it to escape on Friday nights and enjoy a small piece of freedom they gave up. But each week, there comes that constant reminder of who they are and what they've done. They don't treat us as a regular person in the world. They treat us like we're just some alien, just from somewhere out, just out of nowhere. I mean, they look at us like animals in a cage, like we don't deserve a second chance or another opportunity to be something in life. <laughs> After hearing the ridicule and losing eight straight weeks, the Tornadoes were once again on the road, traveling to play private school power Grapevine Faith for the first time, who had moved up a division. Their head coach, Chris Hogan, had a game plan in mind, and it had nothing to do with football. We were going to show them that in this country, if you make the right decisions, people will get on your side and support you, and it doesn't matter what your background is, you can make it. In a selfless suggestion, Coach Hogan sent out an email and requested his fans his players, parents, do something so out of the ordinary in the football culture. He asked them to cheer for Gainesville State. These young men will not have any fans outside of the faculty from their own school. Their parents will not be there. I want some Lion fans to sit on the visitor side and cheer for the Gainesville team throughout the game. I thought, okay, this is, this is cool that Chris wants us to do this, leading up to it. But getting there that night, it was so easy to transition from being a fan for the Faith Lions to a fan for the Tornadoes. You know, the idea of, uh, of giving uh, and just being there to support those kids, those young men that have never had that before. So for the first time, the always-on-the-road Tornadoes would feel as if they were at home. And as kickoff approached, it was obvious something was different. It looked like they thought they were at the wrong end of the field because they know they don't have any fans. And we just looking, I just looked, 
I just kept doing my plays. I seen how they were split up, but I figured they just didn't have enough room on their side. I want y'all to line up in the line. They make, they're making a spirit line. I'm like, say what, coach? What you say? Can you beat that? And uh, he said, they're making a spirit line for y'all to run through. i like, yeah, that's what's up, sir. That's what's up. When it happened, it was just, it was dynamic. It was one of the most unbelievable things I'd ever seen. When I ran through this, like, I felt like it was just like some, like angels is on me. That's all, that's all I felt. Cause I was just running through it as fast as I can. I just feel the wind rushing my face. That feeling of being unleashed lasted throughout the game, and so did the cheers. We had a penalty like the third play of the game, and I heard booing behind me. I turned around, and it was the, the great man fan. I remember when I was making like a play, I made a chocolate, and people yelling my name. I'm like, I don't even know these people. They were just like ours that night. I, I can remember rooting for their little quarterback, and I felt like he belonged to me. Our kids were their kids, and their kids were our kids, and all kids were the same. It wasn't enough to lead the Tornadoes to victory. As expected, Grapevine Faith won 33-14, and the Tornadoes finished the season 0-9. But it didn't matter, because for the first time in a long time, someone was in their corner, and that alone was worth celebrating. I was like, hey, y'all, this, this is going to get close, man. I don't care. I don't care if we lost tonight, man, because I was feeling good. I feel like we were in the Super Bowl championship game or something. Like, we won that. I mean, winning, like, in our heart, spiritual-wise, I mean, we won. I've, I've been in state championships of different kind, and there's nothing was like this. Nothing. Isaiah and the rest of the Tornadoes will never forget the feelings they had on that night. And while it didn't erase the mistakes they've made, it showed 14 teenagers that regardless of the bad things they've done in their past, there was reason to look ahead. I cried. <laughs> when I, when, when after the game, I went back to my room, I cried. I think that your, your family are the only ones that love you. God ain't the only one that love you. Other people love you too. This is what I was hoping and praying would happen. I hope that it gave them hope. I see the world in a different way now. I mean, I'll just see, like, I'm the victim no more. So much love because, you know, I came from a broken home family. So, I mean, having all that love, it just, just rose my spirits up. They got to be kids that night. They got to be a teenager and experience Friday Night Football in Texas. Pretty cool story, isn't it? When you walk around the grounds of That's pretty awesome. Imagine if we look for opportunities of followers of Jesus Christ to exemplify that kind of love. Wouldn't that be awesome? I think we can make a big difference. Because I guarantee you that those kids right there, they're changed forever. They're changed forever. They will never forget that moment. I don't know what they did after that. Maybe many of them are still in jail. I don't know, but you know what? That moment, they were reflected Christ's love, and that's pretty awesome. So a biblical form of love from this simple mind, what is love? Love is obedient. Love is unconditional. It signifies a relationship. It's selfless. It shows a commitment, and ultimately love is an action. Action. So I ask you, how is your love life today? Are you being obedient and loving your neighbor as yourself? Are you loving unconditionally without a what-can-you-do-for-me attitude? Are you devoted to each other, building each other up? Are you sacrificing your own interests for the interests of others? Are you all in with your relationships or only giving a small part of yourselves? Each of us have to grapple with the, those questions. I can't answer for you, you can't answer for me. But I, I would say to all of us, if you want to see the greatest example of love it's quite simple look to the cross right jesus did it for us
So that's my challenge on Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day, everyone. I'd give you all chocolates, but I'm too cheap to do that. So, so uh, God bless you all. Um, and let's love one another. Okay, love one another. Reflect to the world the love that Jesus has called us to. Each one of us can make a difference, and it starts with each of our hearts being in tune with his desires for us, okay?